0: How we doing this afternoon? This morning, actually, this morning. You guys doing all right? Let me get my tea going here. It is a beautiful day. Thanks for coming out. You could have been anywhere else, yet you're here in the house of God at Potential Church. Whether it's your first time or whether you've been here for years, you are our guest and a special welcome to all of our locations. And in a second, I want you to welcome somebody special. But Pensacola, Hollandale. The Bahamas, our friends in Peru, Barranco Miraflores, un abrazo, we love you guys, thank you for being with, and I don't know if you know this, but every week we go behind bars, and we, our, our friends over at the Everglades Correctional Facility are listening to us right now, and we want to welcome you guys, we love you guys, there is hope, there is hope. Beyond bars, there's hope and eternity, and we love you guys. And it's an honor to be with you. But thank you so much for being. My name is Eridus, one of the pastors here at Potential, been serving under Pastor Troy and Pastor Steph for uh, 12 years now, almost, and it's been a blessing and a blast. Have the honor and privilege to um, serve with our creative team and our creatives here, and uh, it's such a joy. It's an honor to be in, and connect with you today on our last value that we subscribe to, which is the value of creativity. Now, before we continue, we're going to do a quick recap in honor of creativity, a quick recap, quick recap. And if you notice, I know at the welcome they told you, there's a little word search in the back of your program. Some of you word search nerds already got to it. I know I see somebody rushing in the back. But I've got a $10 gift card from our friends at Starbucks here for the first person who can bring me the word search completed. First person who can bring me the word search completed gets a star, same thing at all the campuses, all right. Your campus pastor has got a gift card for you. Anybody? Oh, we got one in the back. Oh, it's a race now, it's a race. Oh, I mean, I'm so sorry. You know what, here, both of you, I got an extra card. The next service can figure it out. Congrat- Let me see that. Congratulations. Thank you so much. You're good. You guys didn't pay attention or didn't sing to any of the worship, did you? You just did word searches. Thank you so much. So we learned about, we learned about environment. Give it up for our winners. Give it up for our winners. From the back. I love it. Uh, Everybody in the front slacking today, slacking. Hey, we learned about environment, we learned about honor, loyalty, personal growth, diversity. And today we're going to dive into the idea of creativity. Now some of you may already tell me, oh, here it is, man, I'm not creative, man. This message is not for me, I'm not the creative type. I would use the other side of the brain, whatever that side is. But the reality is how many of you have ever said a lie? By show of hands, how many of you have ever lied? It's okay, we're in church, let's be honest here. How, uh, uh, how many of you have ever lied? Let's raise our hand real quick. For those of you with your hands down, welcome to the lying club. Okay? Because <laughs> you just lied, it's your first lie. See, we have all lied. And it's a form of, guess what? Creativity, thank you. It's a wrong form of creativity, but it's a form of creativity. So welcome to the creative club. Because you were meant to be Creative, and, and and I love this because it's the very first thing we learn in God's word. Genesis 1, chapter 1, in the beginning God, I like this side is with me. You guys, come on, we got to work on it. In the beginning God, God created. Our creative creator God imagined this world, spoke it into existence, and he created. And what I love is that soon after, a few verses right after, verse 26 God says the following, you can read. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. We were created to be creative. You are creative, I'm creative. You're... Turn to the person next to you, say, you're creative. The other person on this side, you're the most creative person I know right now. We were created to be creative. And if we can embrace this thought and embrace this idea today, I guarantee you it will have tremendous impact in your life, in your family, in your career, in your relationships. The idea that you're creative. So let's define it real quick so we can be on the same page. I put it in your program, it's in your outline, it's on the screen. Creativity, the discipline to make new things or Think of new ideas to stay in the room past the first idea. It's a process in which one uses imagination to create new things. Circle that word, imagination. See, and in my time preparing this past month for today, I came to realization that in order to be creative, in order to create, which is the act, which is the execution, it's the doing, it's the actual execution of the idea, we must first engage. Our imagination. We must first engage our imagination. So I defined it here for us as the image making power of the mind. The act of creating or reproducing ideally an object not previously perceived. It's the mind's ability to see what is not yet there. Imagination, it's our mind's eye. And in order for us to reach our creative potential, which we all have. Now, some of you in here today, you're artists, your painters, your videographers, your singers, your dancers, you're fantastic. You've developed your creative gift, your creative potential. But we can all unlock our creative potential. If we unlock and understand the power of imagination, the power of our thinking. Which brings me to my first point today. That my imagination shapes my life. Circle that big. My imagination shapes my life. In Proverbs 23, verse 7. Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Later in Proverbs 4, be careful how you think. For your life is shaped by your thoughts. See, this is God's way of telling us how he... Is going to work in our lives through your thoughts, through your thinking, through your imagination. See, if you're the type of person that says, I can do it, or maybe you're on the other side and you're like, I can't do it, guess what? You're both right. You're both right. If you're the type of person that says, "Ah, I can never imagine myself doing whatever, guess what? You won't. For as he thinks, so is he. There's power in your thinking. And there's a self-fulfilling prophecy really that starts in your mind. How we think and how we imagine is key to how we live and how we act. And over the years I've gathered with the idea of being imagineers, being creative. It's it's been a field that I've, I've loved and I've worked with creatives all my life. So I've gathered a few quotes about the idea of imagination. Some famous authors and figures that you'll recognize, just the power of imagination in shaping our life. Albert Einstein said, "Imagination is more important than knowledge. Logic will get you from A to B, but imagination will take you everywhere." The true sign of intelligence is not knowledge, but imagination. The writer George Bernard Shaw said, "Imagination is the beginning of creation. You imagine what you desire." You will what you imagine, and at last, you create what you will. Famous author, one of my favorite writers, C.S. Lewis says, imagination is the organ of meaning. On the screen, if you follow Napoleon, the French Napoleon Bonaparte said, imagination rules the world. Philosopher Pascal, imagination decides everything. The writer William Arthur Ward, if you can imagine it, you can achieve it. And if you can dream it. You can become it. The famous theologian George Lucas of Star Wars. I'm just kidding. Says you can't do it unless you imagine it. And then the great Walt Disney. Disneyland will never be completed. It will continue to grow as long as there is imagination left in the world. And the truth is that in our lives, in our spiritual lives, in our relationships, We can also continue to grow if we allow God-given creativity, God-inspired imagination to shape our lives. So we know that it shapes our lives. Point number two is that my imagination shapes my faith. Underline, shapes my faith. In fact, you cannot live by faith without first engaging your imagination. Did you know that? Unless you saw a burning bush this morning, which is also engaging your imagination. We must first engage our imagination to see God. To understand who God is. It's essential to our faith. And it's part of our faith. We can't have faith. And so, so what is faith? What are you talking about? So is it my, my mind's eye, faith, talk to me. Well, I'm glad you asked. Hebrews 11. This is the hall of faith. The hall of fame. Hebrews. I, I was actually originally going to talk just about Hebrews 11 and break down every hero of the faith. And how God used imagination to make them heroes of faith and you can do that in your own time at home but we're going to focus on one passage here and one specific hero but the question is what is faith it is a confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen it is a certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us even though we cannot see it up ahead see notice here in Hebrews 11 we're reminded that there's two ways of seeing one is our physical our physical eyes and then our imagination, our mind's eye. And we 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 learn that hope is what may happen. It's the idea of what may happen, but faith is what we will believe will happen. And we must engage our imagination with hope before believing something. We must first hope and engage our imagination to believe. And, and God gave us these mind's eye, this imagination, one to help see him, to understand who he is, one to engage in our daily lives. How many of you growing up as kids would wander under the Christmas tree as your parents would wrap the gifts and put them under the Christmas tree. And you would sit there already imagining imagining what was inside the box. Right? Some of you would just tear it open and forget imagination. I'm just like, it's early Christmas for me. But we would use our imagination to do those things. But in, in, in spiritual terms, God's given some tools. For example, Lord's Supper, the communion. Many of you partake every week after service. It's available here. What, what is the Lord's Supper? What are we doing in remembrance? We're engaging our imagination, our minds to be reminded of the price that was paid on the cross, the blood that was shed, the body that was broken for you, for me. That's what communion is. That's what the Lord's Supper is. It's an ordinance. What, what about baptism? It's a picture. It's a celebration of a changed life, of a changed heart going under in the water and out with a new What's God doing? He's giving us tools to engage our imagination. And what I love in the hall of faith here is the story of Abraham. Many of you know Abraham. And in Hebrews 11, it's one of the main characters as God breaks down Moses and Sarah and other, other heroes of the faith. But I love it that God, God kind of knocks on the door of Abraham and like, hey Abraham, here's the deal. Um, I'm going to change your name. His name was actually Abram. Abram. And at 90 years of age, God comes and changes his name to Abraham, which means "father of all nations." It's a big name, powerful name. Now, mind you, Abraham is 90 years old, with zero kids, zero, nada, and actually lives a whole another decade of his life, a whole another 10 years or so, without children. Still called Abraham, Father of all nations. Now, now, now picture that going out into town into dinner with that kind of name and his wife, and you're checking in at the restaurant. Hi here, party for two. Oh, Mr. Abraham, we've been waiting for you, father of all nations, huh? Are your thousands of kids here? Uh yeah, no. Sorry, no kids. See, pretty, pretty, pretty embarrassing, probably, right? Yeah, God was naming it in advance. He was calling what wasn't. Already in advance and calling it out in the life of Abraham. And what I love later in the chapter, God says, Abraham, why don't you go out and count the stars in the sky. And that will be the amount of kids, the amount of children that I will bless you with. Counting the What is God doing? Counting the stars. God's engaging Abraham's imagination already. And later we know he gives him the nation of Israel. Son after son, children after children, blessing Abraham. But God first engaged his imagination. He engaged his faith. And I love it because we're reminded that we are to focus on things that we can't physically see. Look look with me here in your outline, 2 Corinthians 4.18. We set our eyes not on what we see, but on what we cannot see. What we see will only last a short time. But what we cannot see will last forever. A simple thought, a simple idea. See this table right here? I can see it. I can touch it. It will one day be gone, it will be burnt, melted, destroyed. But the things we cannot see, the soul, the father, the son and the Holy Spirit, the things of eternity. The things that God wants us to engage in and focus on. That's the commandment. That's what he wants us to be using our imagination for. I'm reminded of the quote, one of my favorites, Billy Graham. He says, can you see God? You haven't seen him, have you? I've never seen the wind, but I see the effects of the wind. But I've never seen the wind. There is a mystery. There is a mystery. Let's enjoy this together.
1: Imagine all the people living life in peace. You might say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join me. The world will be his one. Jesus Christ is his son. But well, you say, well, what does God look like? Can you see God? Have you ever seen him? I've never seen God. I know he exists. I've never seen the wind. Have you ever seen the wind? I see the effects of the wind, but I've never seen the wind. There's a mystery to it. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Oh, will all of you be still, will I stand in your presence? But to my knees will I fall, will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak it all? I can only imagine, yeah. I can only imagine, oh, yeah, surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, oh, will all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence to my knees, will I fall, will I sing hallelujah? It would be like when I walk by your side I can only imagine
0: Beautiful song, right? For some of you, the first song, your imagination, just your memory, took you back. Right? You remember the first time you heard it, first time you sang that. Remember where you were, who you were with. Maybe the second song, one of my favorite songs. Maybe you heard it at a funeral. You heard it maybe at a sad place, or but just the power of even music, right? And, And taking our imagination to places, to places. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, team. You guys did a fantastic job. And um, let's recap here. So we understand that imagination can shape our lives. Can shape our faith. And number three, imagination shapes my dreams. Circle that in your outline. Imagination shapes my dreams. And I've met a lot of great dreamers in my time, my life. Some famous dreamers. Some not so famous dreamers. Some great people. Some. Did you know that... Sometimes famous people are not necessarily great people. Famous. Sometimes great people are not necessarily famous people. It doesn't go hand in hand. But one thing I did discover in meeting some great dreamers is the following that great lives are built around great dreams. We're going to unpack that a little bit. Great lives are built around great dreams. And I don't know if this is going to be a surprise to you, but. We are not necessarily born great. Do you know that? We don't pop out of our mama's belly, bloop, great, great babies, great. Pe- See, I got, I have three boys. I have living proof at home. Guarantee you. I got a one-year-old, a three-year-old, and a five-year-old, and they're not born great. They're not. As a matter of fact, one of the first words they learn is "mine, mine, mine, mine." It sounds like the birds on that Pixar movie. "Mine, mine, mine, mine." So this is what my household sounds like. We're not necessarily born great. We're born kind of with the selfish instinct of like me, mine, right? It's it's but as we grow, as we mature, as we develop, we become great by attaching ourselves to something greater than ourselves, to a greater purpose, to a greater cause, to a greater calling, a greater God. Something greater that pulls us that draws us out of ourselves into something better so that we can become Great. Because in, in, in and of ourselves, it's really impossible. See, great lives are built around great dreams. And this may be a surprise to you, but God has a calling for your life. It's like, oh snap, that's a big church word, man. Calling. What are you talking about? Calling. Calling like a phone call? Calling. Not not a phone call. But a purpose. A unique and special calling. Special purpose for you. Here's my prayer for you today. Ephesians 1:18. May God enlighten the eyes of your mind again, our mind's eye, so that you can see the hope that his calling holds for you. May he enlighten the eyes of your mind so you can see this calling. And we know that when, when there is no vision, when there is no dream, when there's lack of what the people perish. We find that in Proverbs 29:18, where there is no vision, the people perish. So God wants to engage your eyes, your, your imagination, to reveal the calling He has for your life. You know, when I graduated high school, I had um, I had my my life mapped out. I had a pre blueprint. I had a vision board. My goals. I actually graduated graduated early from high school. Went to Miami Killian Senior High School. Any Cougars in the house? No, awesome. Went to figured I figured it's down south. It's dirty south, all right. And um, graduated early. It was weird. I was bumped grades, and I had to come from Brazil, and it was kind of weird. And I was either old, too old for my grade, or then too young for my grade. And I graduated early, so I ended up taking some college courses, which ranked my GPA up. So I had it. I had it made. Got scholarship into UM for the sound engineering program, and I said like, that's it. I thought I was gonna be the next like. The Brazilian Jay-Z, like Emilio Estefan, like that was going to be Airdis, like the Brazilian sensation, recording producer, I had it made. Going, I was driving the car of my dreams, it was a Mustang 5.0, stick shift, all souped up. I spent every penny I made in high school in that car. So sad, unfortunate. Um, Because then you have kids and you find out that car seat doesn't fit in the back of that car. And uh, that's another story, that's another message. But I, I thought I had it mapped out. Things are going great. Fantastic. It's still at the end of the day, at the end of my classes and the career and, and, and diploma on the wall, I was coming up empty, coming up with like, man, but God, I'm using this gift and I'm using this talent, and my, my GPA says I can get this, and my ACT score is looking amazing, and SAT score. Woo! I got this. Thank you, God. But right? Yet this void and this lack of significance or lack of satisfaction in my life. And it wasn't until one day, mentor at the time, my mentor was. Pastor J, Pastor Joshua Jefferson, my youth pastor. And this is back in, I'm going to date myself, 1999, year 2000. Where sat me down and said, H, listen, yes, you're, you're a gifted dude. God's giving you some gifts. But you're dreaming too small. You're dreaming too small. You're relying on these gifts and not seeking God and his calling for your life and for these gifts and for everything that he gave you. I'm like, wait, what's, what? what is, so yeah, he, he's the one who said me. Yeah, I said, listen, God's got a calling for your life, and until you surrender to it, until you understand how it lines up with His vision and His dream for you, you will be miserable. I guarantee it. And amazing how God did that. See, on that that day, I understood the following, and it's in your outline: that God's dream for my life was way bigger than my dreams. God's dream for my life was way bigger than my dreams. And amazing how God used that because, you know, little did I know, he was 26 years old at the time, my youth pastor. Six months later, he would pass away, he would die from a rare leukemia disease that kind of took over his life. And I found myself actually stepping in to fill his shoes. And how God was preparing me, how he was preparing me to understand calling, to understand surrender to something greater. Something bigger than something that I thought I could do. Something thought I could map out and the career plan was made. God had something, listen, I got something bigger for you. And, and read with me here in Ephesians chapter 3. Because maybe you struggle with this in, in, in dreaming big, dreaming God-sized dreams. So God can do anything, you know. Far more than you can ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by his spirit working deeply and gently within us we're going to get to that second part about the spirit. Because the spirit is the source. And we'll, we'll get to it in a second. But I want to focus on the first part. Because, see, I've always been an optimist. I, I, I'm a, I'm, my motto is the best is yet to come. And, and my, the cup is half full. And I'm a big dreamer. Yet yeah, God is reminding me here, say, H, okay. But I can do far more than you could ever even imagine in your wildest dreams. See, we have no idea. Once we surrender to God, what he can do. With our gifts, with our lives, living in his full satisfaction, in full surrender, finding significance. And I've prayed and talked to so many of you each weekend. Maybe it's up here, you come and we, we have a conversation, we're in the lobby, we're at our locations. And you've come celebrating, right? The conversation starts, oh H, I just want to celebrate that I, you know, I got my master's and I'm on my way to the PhD. Or maybe the startup company is going fantastic. We opened, and I hired six employees. Some of you, you made your first million by the age of thirty. Like, whoo, amen. Yet the prayer is always still. But there's this emptiness. There's this void. There's this search for, for more, lacking significance and lacking satisfaction. And I wonder if it's because we're letting the size of our gifts determine the size of our goals. Instead of doing the following here, and it's in your outline, we must let the size of our God, not the size of our gifts, determine the size of our goals. Because time and time again, we do the opposite, right? We rely on our strengths. How much money do I have in my bank account? What's my LinkedIn network worth? How is it looking? When God got something so much bigger for you, if you would just? Just imagine with him. As a matter of fact, potential church next year—it's a big year for us as a church family. We're coming up on 40 years. Did you know that? 40 years celebration? Yeah, come on. 40 year celebration. Four decades of 40? No, four decades of life change. That's it, right? Four decades of life change. Gotta do my math there. Four decades of life change. Now think about this: 40 years ago, our friends down at Sheridan Hills Baptist Church down east, all the way almost down by the beach. Had a dream, had a vision. Say, we're gonna go west. We're gonna go where the flamingos and the roads meet. We're gonna go where their horses We're gonna go out there. There's nothing out here. But they imagined it, they dreamed it, and said, we're gonna go. Criticized for it. It's like, wait, what, what, are you guys, what are you guys doing? What do you guys think you are? What, what are you talking about? Later purchasing the acres of land we sit on here today at our Cooper City campus. People thought they were nuts. You guys are crazy. What do you, what do you guys think you are buying 15 acres of land in the middle of nowhere? Come on. Fast forward a few years later, we decide to go international. God opens the doors to go to Peru, to open two locations there, to go to the Caribbean, go international. Take our broadcast worldwide. Recently going to Puerto Rico. And then people are like, what, what, what are you guys doing? What do you guys think you are? Why, what, why? And I've come to realize that's the wrong question altogether. You know that? Because it's not who do we think we are. The right question is, who do we think God is? That's the right question. And that's my question for you, who do you think God is? Is God even part of the equation? And you are probably thinking, right ah, H, easier said than done, bro. Okay, Easier said than done. Okay, imagination, it's pretty thought, it's nice. Dream big and God-sized dream. But there's too much at risk. You know what, I've, I'm older than 35. Or maybe I, I just graduated and my diploma says I have to do this. And my parents say I have to do this. Therefore, uh, too, too much risk, man. And, and I don't know because my insecurities, eh, and then this, and then my and my mother. Pfft. Listen, this is our next point here. Doubt is the enemy of my imagination. Your insecurity and doubt will kill you if you live in fear. It will destroy you. It will neutralize your imagination. Why is it that kids can have so much imagination, can be creative. Because they're fearless. They don't fear failure. They have not let the enemy of doubt seep in and take control. It takes courage to fight doubt. As a matter of fact, somebody who's fighting their doubt, who's being courageous right now, actually, I wanna? is somebody who's on the stage with me. Actually, this is my wife of 13 years, 13, 14, around there ish, (laughs) whoops, crap, let's pray. (laughs) No, 13, 14 years, um, (laughs) this year we celebrate 14, I think, yes. (laughs) But you know what one of Marcy's greatest fears in life is? Period. Is standing on a stage in front of hundreds of people. Straight up. Hates it. Hates it with a passion. Yet she's being brave and being courageous today, facing her fear in the face and here with you guys today, painting. Now you have to use your imagination. Give it up for my beautiful wife. Thank you, love. And that's what that's what courage is. Courage is not preparing or studying. Let me study and prepare or learn this or save up for this. And then no courage is stepping out and facing what you fear the most and doing it anyway. And in the middle of that, figuring it out, trusting God and saying, That's courage. That's what courage is. And it takes courage to face our doubts. Go with me to James 1, 5 and 7. Five through seven, James chapter one, verses five through seven. It says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So ask him for wisdom. But when you ask, you must believe and not what? Doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. And that person should not expect to receive anything. Circle this in your outline, it's in the screens. We need to doubt our doubts. And believe our beliefs. See, we end up doing the opposite, don't we? We end up doubting our beliefs. The very thing that we believe that we know is true, that is foundational to our existence and to our lives. We start questioning. Insecurity seeps in. What are people gonna think? And anxiety. And we start believing our doubts. Oh, I don't think anybody's gonna do that. Boom. We start believing our doubts. Oh I wonder. We need to doubt our doubts and believe our beliefs. There's a choice. You can live in fear. Or you can even live in faith. And I love this next story, founded Mark, of a man who doubted. Because man, if you're like me, I've, I've got I've got a list load of doubts. I mean i got doubts, i got questions. On anything and everything. You name it, I've got doubts. So maybe you're like me and, and I'm comforted by this story and the vulnerability of this story of a man who comes face to face with Jesus and shares about his doubt. Now he comes to Jesus asking for healing for his son. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. He comes... Crying out to God to heal his son. And the story picks up right here, Mark chapter 9. The father says to Jesus, Have mercy on us and help us if you can. I love how Jesus responds. He's like, What do you mean, if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Some versions say, Help me overcome my doubt. This may be a freeing thought for you today. This is your nugget, your takeaway, so wake up if you're okay, for you in the back. Did you know you don't have to figure everything out or have all your doubts and questions answered in order to benefit or reap the benefits of something? Did you know that? Example, I, I don't I could not explain to you internal combustion and how all that works or how my 5.0 Mustang still didn't stop me from driving my car. I'm still gonna drive it. I I couldn't tell you how the Chemistry of digestion works through my body, the ins and outs. Yet I'm still gonna have a good steak today, right? Probably so are you. I couldn't tell you how the airwaves and Wi-Fi signals and all this works and satellite connections. Yet I'm gonna pop on my phone later and connect with somebody on the other side of the world. See, you don't have to have all your questions answered or your doubts in order to benefit from something. And the same—the same is true here. And I love this because it's there's a vulnerability here, and in our spiritual walk. Like, wait, it's the same. Listen, when I get to heaven, you're gonna have to line up behind me because I'm gonna come to God and say, "Listen, whew, we're here. I got a few questions, though. Here, I got. Here, what, what's up with this? What happened there? Dinosaurs? Eh, well, psh, I got. I got my questions. I got questions, but it does not stop me from a relationship with God, understanding His calling, His purpose. And I love the vulnerability here. The blessing here is that Jesus says, That's enough. You believe? You got some doubts? I can work with that. Heals his son. And for some of you, that's the cry, that's a prayer today. He just came here today to, to learn this quick prayer found in Mark. Say, God, I believe. I just have some doubts. Just help me with my doubts. Help me with my unbelief right now. God can work with that. God can take over your imagination, your dreams, your faith in your life. As long as we doubt our doubts and we believe, Our belief. So let's recap real quick. We're going to wrap it up. We understand it can shape our lives, our faith, and our dreams. We understand that doubt is the enemy. And here's the secret sauce. Here's the secret. Here's the takeaway that wraps this all up. In some ways, it's going to be very simple. Some of you learned this growing up, so it'll be a refresher for you. But what is? And sometimes I get asked, H, what is the creative? Give me. How do you stay creative? How do you? What's the secret ingredient? And as Christ followers, we have such an advantage. Such an advantage. Because I could have come up here and the temptation would have been an 18-minute TED talk. I could have prepared for you. Very organized and around carpet. with Here are five points on how you can be more creative. And you can find that on YouTube. they are a bunch. Fantastic. But we have the secret advantage. The creative advantage. And it's simple. Point number five. The key to unlocking your imagination is time with God. It's that simple. For you, it may be a brand new thing. Like, huh, time with God, huh? Tell me more. I'm glad you asked. For some, it's a refresh and a reminder. I want to challenge you today to reignite that dream, to reignite your imagination. Because for, for some of you, you've, you've discovered your calling. You've had this God-sized dream that God's placed in your heart. Yet slowly it's deflated. It's kind of like one of those helium balloons, right? That slowly, nobody punctured it. Nobody, but it starts deflating. You have a flat tire of a dream now. But time with God can change that and will change that if you allow it. And I'm specifically talking about quiet time with God. In two ways. Two specific ways. First off, in his word. Psalm 119, go with me there. It says, open my eyes to see. Again, open my eyes, the eyes of my heart, imagination. The wonderful truths in your instruction, in your word, in your Bible. Help me understand the meaning of your commandments. And I will meditate. Again, imagine. Meditate on your wonderful Second thing is his spirit. We talked about it a little earlier. We talked about it in Ephesians, and now we go back here in John where he would send a helper. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper who will be with you forever. That helper is the spirit of truth. And you know him because he lives with you and will be in you. See, and that's the difference. We talk about meditation and imagining. See, Eastern philosophy and Eastern meditation will tell you, we must empty ourselves of all thoughts, so therefore we can look down deep within in the good found inside of... No. We we, we know that in and of ourselves. We're not great. We're not going to discover. But by grace, by His love, and by inviting His spirit, His truth, His word in our lives, filled with promises of hope and truth, and inviting his spirit to come and be the helper. That's the key to unlocking our imagination, the key to finding our calling, to finding our purpose. It's the key to refueling your imagination, and it's a daily habit to keep your dream alive. It's a daily habit to keep your dream alive. Now you can pull out the, the cup of tea you got when you came in, or the bag of tea you have, all of our campuses. I've got this, mmm, mine's passion fruit, it's delicious. It's rich, flavor-filled, full of aroma, taste, rich color. It's the life God wants for us. Filled with creativity, with imagination. It's strong, it's powerful, I can smell it from far away. We want that and God wants that for us, but here's how sometimes we live, we come to church on a Sunday, good service, I sang some songs, it's pretty good, that, that, I raised my hand two times. Then maybe we, you know, it's a good summer, so I'm going to come twice a month, look at that, woo! so he came second time around. Oh, and guess what, you know what, we need to do something good for the kids. So let's, let's go to mission Saturday so the kids can see us do good. Because it's important to raise them. Doing good so we do that again. And while good things, it's important. And we want, we would not want to forsake the gathering. We don't want to forsake serving and doing those things. But we're still left with this bland, bland weak, smells like dirty water kind of life. Lacking creativity, lacking imagination, just kind of, eh, bleh. And the only difference between this and this rich, satisfying, significant life, it's one thing. It's time with God. Why is this one stronger? It's a time it took to get there. It's a time it spent, not just dipping around and trying, and eh, and then eh, and over here. But it's a time it sat in there, in God's presence, in His word, in His truth. Crying out, say, God, help me. I believe, just help me with my unbelief. God, reveal your calling, your dream for my life. I think I know, I understand my gifts. How does it fit into the big picture? It's time. That's all, that's the difference. It's a simple thought. It's time with God. And the application for you is simple today. I want you to pull out that bag of tea. I want you to write an hour of the day on that tea with your pencil, with your pen. Whatever hour God puts in your heart today, it's practice. some of you put it in your pocket you need to reach out. It's okay, don't be embarrassed. Grab it from your purse or write it on the cover of your outline. It may be 11 p.m. tonight for you. It may be 6 a.m. first thing Monday where you wake up before the kids. And all it is, maybe start with 10 minutes. You don't need to go to a monastery for three days to have a quiet time with God. Start with 10 minutes. Open his word. Say, God, talk to me. I'm listening. Pray to him. Cry out to him. But write down an hour. I want you to set a date with God today. In order to unlock the imagination he's given you, the creativity he's given you, ultimately the potential that he's put inside of us through his spirit. Write that down so that this week would be the beginning of something different. Something that you can go back to say, listen, I have a time and I have a date with God. It's every morning at 6.30. It's every night at 11. And allow God to speak to you. The power of imagination to shape your life, to shape your faith, to shape your dreams, fighting all the doubt and reaching your creative potential. Can I pray for us? Let's pray. God, I pray for everybody at the sound of my voice today. Maybe they came in here full of doubts, and that's okay, Lord. We all have doubts. We cry out to you asking for help. Help us, help us with our doubts. Some of us, just a reminder today of how we missed on spending time with you. We're here, so it's a good start. We're listening, we're, we're engaging. But Father, we have the source. We have your word. We have your spirit. Allow us to leverage it, to reach our God potential. To be the creators, to be the imagineers that you've called us to be, Lord. Understanding that the source is You help us spend time with you this week. That this will be a dramatically different week than this past month, and this past even year, or even my life. That it will be the start of something new. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus that saves that I pray. And the church says, Amen. amen. Can you give God a hand?